Hello and welcome to Access Asia. I'm Yuka Hoye. It's arguably the most controversial World Cup in history. As Qatar 2022 gets underway, we'll take a look at the fate of thousands of migrant workers, mostly from South Asia, who helped build roads, bridges and stadiums and went back home in coffins. We'll also speak to a Swedish investigative journalist who has tracked down dozens of these migrant workers, creating stunning alternative football cars with their stories. Also, we'll take a look at how hundreds of millions of people in India still have no access to clean sanitary facilities, despite a years-long government drive to eradicate open defecation. The FIFA World Cup 2022 gets underway in Qatar. For the next four weeks, football fans the world over will be tuning in to watch the once-every-four-year tournament. The event has been marred by accusations of migrant labour and human rights abuses, Thousands of low-paid workers have died in Qatar since 2010 on the construction sites of the World Cup. Our correspondents have met some of the victims' families in Nepal, who are still waiting for answers and financial compensation for their loved ones. At the Kathmandu International Airport, this man is returning from Qatar with the coffin of his colleague and friend. Both of them were working on World Cup sites as construction workers, 35-year-old Umesh Yadav died after falling from a scaffold. He was working on the construction site. I also work in Qatar for the same company. We were working when the accident happened. I helped to bring his body back. I did as much as I could. He has a wife and children, parents, younger brother. Every day, 500 people queue up here at the Qatar Visa Center, like 31-year-old Suradeb. He found a job as a baggage handler with a salary of 300 euros per month, which is three times the average salary in Nepal. I have to take this kind of job because I have to feed the nine members of my family. Nepalis are the main group of migrant workers employed at World Cup sites. Most of them travel from this agricultural belt at the foothills of the Himalayas in the far west of Nepal. The extreme poverty of the region forces the people to take this drastic step even at the risk of never returning. That in turn leaves their families in greater distress, like Samita and her children. Six months ago, her husband died in Doha at the construction site of one of the World Cup stadiums. He was 31 years old. He had been working there for three years. The couple had hoped for a better future for their daughter and son. He went abroad so we could build our own house. But after four months, he died. They got what they wanted, they'll be happy playing football. But all that happiness has been taken from us. We're left with nothing. Just a paper saying my husband died of a heart attack. Whenever a Nepali worker dies in Qatar, the cause of death given is almost always the same, a heart attack which is categorized as a natural death. This exempts the companies from paying compensation to the victims' families. Such a high mortality rate of workers between the ages 20 and 40 is very alarming for this doctor. The government doesn't allow any workers to travel abroad without first clearing a thorough medical examination. Heart attacks primarily affect people over the age of 50, but those who go abroad are mostly young people. This is the main concern. The Nepali government should do something about it. It's difficult to know the exact number of deaths. According to the Nepali government, nearly 13,000 Nepalis worked on the various World Cup sites, including stadiums, hotels, airports and roads. Among them, at least 2,000 Nepalis lost their lives, according to the official data. 
For human rights organizations, the government death toll is hugely underestimated. We catch up with Soradev again, who is now ready to fly to Doha. But he's still waiting for his visa at his hotel with two of his village friends. Once they leave, they will have a two-year lock-in period before which they can't leave Qatar according to their contract. There's nothing in it. This bag is completely empty. I've just taken two to three sets of clothes. I plan to work and then fill this bag with money and return. Tourists have started pouring into Qatar and are outnumbering foreign workers. Nepalese are now heading to Saudi Arabia, which will host the Asian Winter Games in 2029. Swedish investigative journalist Martin Shibi is the co-founder of Blank Spot, which has created a series of alternative football cars. Instead of star players, they feature dozens of migrant workers who have lost their lives while helping prepare for the World Cup. Martin, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Now, how did this idea come about and how did you get information about the workers, given uh, the lack of a paper trail in Qatar? I mean, I thought there was such a focus on statistics and number being thrown around. 6,000 dead or only three dead, as the Qatari authorities said. And I wanted to tell the stories of the people behind the statistics, just like your reporter did, did on the ground. And this is a story that been told many times, but I also wanted to tell it in a way that it would reach football fans. So how do you package complex journalism in a way that, that reaches the fans? So then we decided to make cards, but instead of professional football player, each card has the story of a migrant worker who left for Qatar to take the family out of poverty, but returned home in, in a coffin. And which card in particular for you personally, which of the stories touched you the most? I say that, I mean, the massive amount of stories and also the, the psychological price paid by, by migrants. I mean, there's, there's a focus on death and injuries, but there's also mental pain being away 5, 10, 15 years from your family, not being there to celebrate your children's birthday, not being there, maybe sometimes getting married on the phone, uh, not seeing your kid grow up or your wife grow old. Uh, there was a lot of suicide in the statistics that we encountered, both in Qatar and also in South Asia, when people return home and didn't manage to return as a golf man in a suit and take the family out of poverty to face that, that stigma. Have any of the families called for a boycott of the event? On the contrary, I'd say many of the families were worried that after the World Cup there might be less jobs in Qatar and that many, I mean, tens of South Southlands people would return back home to, to Nepal and to unemployment. So. It, it, there are really grayscales in this. It, it, it's complex, and uh, and many were, were worried that uh, what will happen after the World Cup. Talking to migrant workers in in Qatar, many are also worried that all these new legislation and a new minimum wage and so on will it still be there when the world is not watching after the World Cup? And I think it's really important to to keep uh, keep the media's attention on the situation for migrant workers in the Gulf even after the last game is played and. and and we have a world champion in football. Uh, now, you also sent the cars to World Cup sponsors. Have you heard back from any of them? We heard back from, uh, from Adidas. Uh, Adidas replied and said that it was not their decision to place the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, they also said that they have been doing, I mean, all they can uh, to promote the situation for migrant workers in Qatar. And they also, I mean, address some of the, the reforms, the labor reforms that has been made. For example, that there is ILO office uh, now in Doha, 
And I, I don't think we should take, I mean, light on these reforms. It's historical reforms and the minimum wage and the ILO office. It's really something that needs to be recognized and, and told about. And, and hopefully this, this pressure could also spill over to other countries in the region. Uh, and I mean, one day, if you would give these workers the right to form trade unions, they would be able to fight for their own rights without, uh, without the, the need of the assistance from, uh, from kind of the, the international community. Martin Shibi, thank you for speaking to us once again. Thank you so much. November the 19th marks World Toilet Day, an occasion to raise awareness about the more than 3 billion people around the world who don't have access to clean and safe sanitation systems. In India, nearly 15% of the population is left without safely managed toilets and as a result faces water pollution, waterborne diseases and sexual violence. Prime Minister Narendra Modi has promised to make the country free of open defecation, but the situation isn't getting any better. Our team on the ground sent us this report. All 500 residents of this village, Madhu Singh Purva in Uttar Pradesh, have a common problem. They have no toilets. Every morning it's a common scene here. With buckets in their hands, people reach this well to fetch water before going to relieve themselves in the surrounding open spaces, like Kamlesh. There are 12 toilets in the village, but none of them are usable. Many are unfinished, some are without doors, some don't have toilet seats, some don't even have roofs. Like him, 19% of the population, that means over 260 million Indians, have no access to toilets, according to a survey, even though it was one of the promises made by Prime Minister Narendra Modi after he was elected in 2014. The government promised to build over 110 million toilets in five years at a cost of 20 billion euros. In 2019, he went further and announced he would make India open defecation free. However, the goal is still far from being met. Every week, Dr. Yasmin Abdullah visits this slum in the southeast of Delhi to check on children. In all her visits, Yasmin finds at least 10 children suffering from diarrhea due to the lack of toilets. The main problem here is open defecation. Because of it, there are a lot of flies infesting their food and their water is also contaminated, and that's why this child is sick. According to the WHO, over 110,000 children under the age of five die due to diarrhea every year in India. The absence of toilets is not only a public health problem, it also raises the question of security, especially for women. We go back to Uttar Pradesh and this time to the village of Kambura, home to nearly 1,000 residents, but there's not a single toilet. The women of the village are forced to walk two kilometers to find a spot to relieve themselves. We face so many problems because of it. Girls do not go out in the fields as they fear being sexually harassed by men. A thousand kilometers away from the city of Pune, an innovative idea to address this issue. A toilet on wheels only for women. Launched in 2016, there are now 12 such buses which are run on donations. Despite having the fifth largest economy in the world, access to toilets remains a challenge for India. And finally, smoking is bad for your body, especially when you're exercising. But in China, a 50-year-old man went viral after he chain-smoked his way through a marathon. 
completing it in just under three and a half hours. According to some reports, he has been spotted smoking at some other previous events and is known as Smoking Brother among running circles. And that's it for this edition of Access Asia. Do stay tuned for more world news here on France 24.